0: This week, Hertz DS approved, but alternative proposals still on the table. Mallentrop files initial plan of reorganization, and court approves plan-related mediation in Intelsat. And, as always, updates from Puerto Rico. Hello, and welcome to the Reorg Podcast, where we bring you the latest developments in high-yield, distressed debt, and bankruptcy. I'm David Zubkis. Later, we'll hear from Reorg's Peter Washkowitz, who will be doing a deep dive on weak, most favored nation's protections and loan documents and the consequence of MFN sunset provisions. It's Friday, April 23rd. On Wednesday, Judge Mary Walrath approved the Hertz Debtors' revised disclosure statement, rights offering procedures, and entry into an equity purchase and commitment agreement, with current plan sponsors Centerbridge, Dundon, Warbur Pincus, and the Ad Hoc No Polar Group. The revised plan in DS, the product of negotiations with the Centerbridge sponsor group, now allows Class 11 prepetition equity interests to vote and provides interest holders a recovery in the form of six-year warrants to purchase 4% of common equity, which the debtors estimate to be worth between 90 million and 100 million in the aggregate. Also, recoveries to Class 7 general unsecured claims have increased by 100 million. The court overruled an objection to the breakup fee and equity purchase and commitment agreement brought by an ad hoc shareholder group. The same shareholder group is party along with Knighthead and Sertaris to an alternative plan proposal that had thrown the cases into flux the past week. Although details of the alternative proposal are limited, counsel to the ad hoc shareholder group has told the court that the proposal would provide hurt shareholders with 50% share cash recovery and the right to participate in a $1 billion rights offering for approximately 28% of the reorganized equity of the company. The debtors said at the Wednesday hearing that they would remain in dialogue with the rival group. With the DS approved, the debtors will solicit votes on their Center Bridge Group plan while reserving the right to seek confirmation of a modified plan that embodies a different restructuring proposal whether the Knighthead had proposal or otherwise. On Thursday, the debtors filed motions motion seeking authority to enter into and perform under the previously disclosed commitment letters for the corporate and ABS exit financing needed in conjunction with their Chapter 11 plan. The debtors have obtained commitments for a $1.3 billion term loan, a $1.5 billion revolver, and $7 billion in asset-backed financing in the form of a $3 billion VFN facility and a $4 billion bridge facility to finance fleet needs. On Tuesday, the Malentrot debtors filed their initial plan of reorganization and disclosure statement. The plan closely tracks the debtors' amended RSA, creating an opioid claims trust funded with $1.6 billion over seven years, and warrants for 19.99% reorganized equity and a $260 million governmental ACTHAR claim settlement. Under the plan, the first lien revolving facility would be paid back in full in cash. First lien term loans would be either paid in full in cash or issued new take back term loans. And first and second lien notes would either be reinstated or receive new first or second lien crammed down notes, depending on the outcome of litigation on the secured note holders make whole claims. Unsecured note holders would receive $375 million in new seven-year second lien notes plus 100% of reorganized equity, subject to dilution by the opioid trust warrants and a 10% management incentive plan. General unsecured creditors that accept the plan as a class, including the private Acthar antitrust claimants, would share a pool of cash of $100 million. Existing equity would receive nothing under the plan, according to the disclosure statement. The plan is supported by the supporting term lenders, 50 U.S. states and territories holding opioid claims, the opioid multi-district litigation plaintiffs' executive committee the Multi-State Governmental Entities Group, and the Ad Hoc Unsecured Note Holder Group, which the debtors say holds approximately 84% in principal amount of the debtors' guaranteed unsecured notes claims. A hearing on approval of the DS is scheduled for May 26 at 1 p.m. Eastern. On a Wednesday afternoon in a sealed Zoom session after holding sealed hearings Monday and Tuesday on the Intelsat debtors' contested plan mediation and exclusivity extension motions, Judge Keith Phillips entered an order granting both motions. The ad hoc Intelsat Jackson crossover group, the ad hoc parent entity convertible noholder group, and the UCC had objected to the exclusivity motion. The debtor's plan contemplates a global settlement with Intelsat Jackson creditors receiving the bulk of the debtor's value and with several hundred million dollars in distributions earmarked for creditors of the parent entities. The proposed settlement would preserve billions in Luxembourg tax attributes for the enterprise and avoid expensive and lengthy litigation over intercompany claims, and $4.9 billion in FCC accelerated relocation payments. The crossover group, however, maintains that all the debtors' assets belong to the Jackson entities, including the accelerated relocation payments, and that the parent entity creditors are entirely out of the money. Turning to the island of Puerto Rico, a proposed 2021 Commonwealth fiscal plan published by the Promesa Oversight Board early Friday projects a post-measure surplus for the Commonwealth government of $15.2 billion dollars, from fiscal 2022 to fiscal 2035 before the government's projected to return to deficits. Certification of the plan is on the agenda for the Oversight Board's public meeting scheduled for today, Friday, April 23rd. The revised fiscal plan does not reflect the proposed plan of adjustment for the Commonwealth, PBA, and ERS, but would be updated to reflect related debt service as the plan is confirmed by the Title III Court. According to Oversight Board Executive Director Natalie Juresco, the revised fiscal plan doesn't imply changes to any debt restructuring agreements. In a status report regarding the Commonwealth Plan of Adjustment filed Wednesday with the Title III court, the Promessa Oversight Board said it intends to file an amended plan and disclosure statement on or before April 27th. The Oversight Board also said that in order to meet the milestones in the PSA and related agreements and to permit the court to consider the issues which will be presented, the Oversight Board is seeking a confirmation hearing to begin on or about October 18, 2021. Commonwealth officials announced last Sunday that HUD has lifted restrictions on $8.2 billion in funding authorized for Puerto Rico under HUD's Community Development Block Grant Disaster Relief development includes the elimination of a special federal funds monitor, additional reporting requirements to the PROMESA Oversight Board, and the practice of authorizing the incremental obligation of funding. Commonwealth officials said the amendments will accelerate the island's recovery from the 2017 hurricanes. The move follows the February announcement by the Biden administration that it had approved $6.2 billion in federal disaster mitigation funding for Puerto Rico. A HUD IG report released this week also examines the delays in the release of this funding under the Trump administration, which placed special restrictions on the bulk of the nearly $20 billion in HUD CDBG disaster relief and mitigation authorized for Puerto Rico. Top red stories this week included make whole on Hertz 2026-2028 unsecured notes would be worth 10 to 11 points if payment required. SCOTUS denies review of Second Circuit's Tribune Safe Harbor decision. Humana, a testor appear in Malintrot cases to pursue and participate in proceeds of claims against Malintrot related to Acthar gel. Malintrott's motion to transfer Humana's $700 million antitrust suit to Delaware fully brief. Now here's Jim from Houston with the week ahead.
1: Well, thank you, David. Hello, listeners. This week looks to be dominated by earnings, starting with Tesla on Monday, April 26th. Tuesday, April 27th, there's a legal matter, that being a DS hearing in Intelsat. Wednesday, April 28th, earnings from Antero, both resources in Midstream, Tava Pharmaceuticals, Altice, an omnibus hearing in Puerto Rico. Thursday, April 29th, Real G and PBF Energy report results. And Friday, April 30th, we have earnings from U.S. Steel and SM Energy. And there's a stay relief motion in Valaris. That is all, and back to New York.
0: And next up, Reorg's own Peter Washkowitz will be discussing most favored nations protections and lending agreements, how MFN sunset provisions work, and how COVID has affected the dynamics of recent MFN negotiations between lenders and borrowers.
1: Thanks, guys. So earlier this week, Surgery Partners, a publicly owned Bain portfolio company, announced that it was seeking to raise $125 million of incremental term loans to refinance $119 million of outstanding incremental debt that the company had incurred in April of 2020. The refinancing is very interesting, but to kind of fully appreciate um, why it's interesting and how it could pose risks to lenders, uh, we need to take a step back and just understand um, MFN protection and credit agreements first. So MFN uh, uh, protection, or most favored nations protection, uh, typically requires that to the extent a borrower incurs any parry incremental debt, incremental equivalent debt, ratio debt or acquisition debt, that that new debt will never be more than 50 basis points higher in price than the initial term loans. As a simple example, if the company um, incurred uh, incremental debt uh, priced at LIBOR plus 400 and the initial term loans were priced at LIBOR plus 300, the initial term loans would have to be increased to LIBOR plus 350 uh, to ensure that the difference in prices is no more than 50 basis points. Um, Five years ago, uh, 50 basis point MFN protection uh, was typical and it was never subject to uh, sunset provisions. And sunset provisions are just a fancy way of saying uh, expiration dates. However, in the last five years, um, MFN protection has been under attack um, in in multiple ways and and obviously in in most sponsor credit agreements. Um, Pretty much every facet of the MFN protection is, is, is trying to be chipped away at. Um, both in ter- you know in terms of length, um, some we we see a lot of MFN protection these days that are subject to six or twelve month expiration periods. Um, we see uh, some limitations on the scope. For instance, um, MFN pr- protection will only apply uh, to incremental debt that is incurred as leverage based incremental debt, not under a freebie basket. Um, and then we'll also see um, some. We also see pricing differences. Uh, every now and then, we will see MFN protection that's set at 100 basis points or 75 basis points. Uh, point being, these days, um, it's never a given that the initial lenders will be able to benefit from any higher pricing uh, parry debt that the borrower incurs down the road. Um, and and one more thing, borrowers can easily circumvent the MFN protection by issuing uh, first lien uh, high yield bonds. Um, and they would never have to provide the MFN protection because bonds are typically fixed rate debt instruments and bank debt is floating rate. It would be very difficult to uh, equate, the, uh, equate the pricing and ensure that they're never more than uh, 50 basis points apart. Anyway, all of that is a background to surgery partners. Um, last year in April, obviously kind of at the height of, of the COVID pandemic and uh, the global economy being been shut down. We saw a lot of companies either trying to get covenant relief amendment under the credit agreements, trying to raise liquidity in the debt markets, um, or a combination of both. Um, surgery Partners uh, entered into an a $120 million incremental debt facility in April 2020 uh, that was priced at, um, at LIBOR plus 800 um, That compares to its initial term loans that were priced at LIBOR plus 320, uh, $325. Um, however, the the uh, the MFN protection in uh, Surgery Partners Credit Agreement uh, was subject to an 18-month sunset from the date of execution, which was in 2017. So when these, uh, when the 2020 incremental term loans were incurred, MFN protection had expired and uh, surgery partners did not have to raise the pricing on the initial term loans uh, to ensure that the difference uh, in pricing between the 2020 incremental term loans and initial term loans uh, was no more than 50 basis points. So, uh, point number one with the risk of uh, weak MFN protection is is here as an initial lender. You now um, sit parry to another chunk of debt uh, that is being paid more than double what you're being paid, um, and you don't get a benefit from that. So. Um, you know, as lenders, that, lenders are always trying to push for, uh, in an ideal world, fifty basis point MFN protection with no sunset. But again, being as that's under attack, um, you know, you kind of have to pick and choose your battles. So here, um, the MFN protection in, in Surgery Partners credit agreement was was subject to the eighteen month sunset. So lenders did not get the benefit of that higher pricing. Um, there were a few companies uh, that that entered into similar, uh, almost kind of rescue financing uh, at the height of the coronavirus. Uh, StubHub, for instance, uh, issued $330 million of incremental term loans, also priced at LIBOR plus $800, and that compares to their initial term loans of LIBOR plus $350. Uh, Bally's also at LIBOR plus $800 uh, compared to LIBOR plus $275 for initial term loans. And play AGS. Uh, in- issued uh, ninety five million dollars of incremental term loans priced at LIBOR plus thirteen hundred, uh, compared to LIBOR plus three fifty for their initial term loans. So, uh, whenever um whenever an investor is is looking to invest in the credit agreement, um. In debt, uh, that's documented by a credit agreement. It always, uh, will behoove you to kind of make sure that you are protected should a company issue, uh, new debt with higher pricing. Now, obviously, the coronavirus, uh, is is a very unique circumstance. Um, rarely, uh, before the coronavirus had you seen many companies issuing incremental debt that was, uh, even if it was not part of the initial tranche of term loans, rarely was the pricing. Um, so out of whack versus uh, the initial term loans, but y- you never know when something like the coronavirus is going to happen, and um, here uh, it-, it really did uh, materially and adversely affect initial lenders. So that's uh, that's how that's one way uh, that- that's one risk with weak M F N protections. But another risk, which I think actually is underappreciated, and I actually never really fully appreciated it myself. Um, was that a lot of these uh, essentially rescue term loans uh, that, were, that were entered into uh, in 2020 had very, uh, had very restrictive call protection provisions. And by that, I mean, um, in surgery partners, in Bally's, and in play AGS's incremental debt, um, they were subject to call protection that included one- to two-year make-hole provisions. In uh, surgery partners, it was a one-year make-hole, but in Bally's and Play AGS, it was two years. Um, and then they were each subject to uh, step-downs in a call premium. Uh, for surgery partners, it was, um, you know, you had the make-hole plus 2% for the first year, and then 2% in the second year. Um, and for Bally's, it was uh, make-hole plus 4.5% for two years, then 4.5% in the third year uh play AGS was uh a make hole for two years and then a 1% for the third year. Anyway, so now that um things seem to be calming down to some extent in the, the debt markets, um obviously a lot a lot of these companies will probably want to get rid of their uh um, significantly more expensive debt. And obviously that, that's what Surgery Partners is doing um in its in its press release announcing that it was looking to refinance the term loans, it said that it it believes that it will It will benefit by uh, $5 million on an annual basis in interest savings, despite having to pay – they're going to have to pay a 2% uh, call protection premium, um, given that um, as of recording today, which is Thursday, April 22nd, today is exactly a year from when they uh, issued the incremental debt. So the the May call presumably uh, rolls off either today or tomorrow. And so uh, if Surgery Partners enters into the, the refinancing next week, uh, they'll be subject to the 2% uh, call premium, but not the make-hole. Um, so as these companies look to uh, you know, maybe improve their balance sheet, reduce interest expense, the first thing that they're going to want to do is uh, see if it makes sense for them to get rid of the higher-paying, the higher coupon incremental debt that they incurred at the height of the coronavirus. And so here is the second way that lenders um, could get hurt from weak MFN protection. Uh, here for surgery partners, lenders not only do they lose out on the higher pricing of the incremental debt, but they are now also losing out on the two percent call premium um, that that the company will have to uh, will have to pay. And bear in mind, if, let's say, Surgery Partners Credit Agreement had had 50 basis point MFN protection with no sunset, it may not have made sense for the company to to issue $120 million of significantly more expensive debt if they would have had to increase the price on on all their term loans. So the weak MFN protection really hurt lenders both at the outset of the entry into the incremental debt by uh, not getting better pricing, and um, they will also get hurt at the refinancing because they will miss out on a 2% premium. So that's just a a quick, interesting situation and kind of an underappreciated secondary consequence of a weak MFN protection, which we kind of always point out when we are reviewing uh, new loans uh, and and even secondary loans. Um, So that's about it. Uh, Before I I sign off, I would like to say that uh, this week is Connor Skelding's last week at Reorg. And um, I just wanted to say, Connor, you will be missed. You have uh, you have really spearheaded. The growth of this podcast into something that has been awesome to be a part of. And uh, I, I I know that I, I definitely appreciate all your help in the, in the last few years. And I wish you luck in your future endeavors. Uh, so that's it for me. Thanks. Take care.
0: Thank you again for listening to this Reorg Weekly Review. Find all of our podcasts on the Reorg.com media page, as well as Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Hope your families are healthy and safe. See you next Sunday.